Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break on this Memorial Day. On uh, what is it? The twenty fifth. I should I should look up the date before I start. I think it's the twenty fifth. Um, you're watching Unsafe Space. I'm your host Carter Laren, and I'm joined by Carrie, but she's not in her chair right now, so I can't show her to you because she's out doing her special. I don't know, getting a last minute coffee, peeing. Who knows what she's doing? Uh, but she is here. Um, she can't see me though because my Skype video is broken, but hopefully everyone here uh, can see me. I guess we can start out by saying uh, thank you to Sean for the super chat. Uh, all the rookie pod hosts took off today. Glad not you. Yeah, well, you know, this is um, it's pa- it's passion. That's uh, we're here. For, it's a I don't know business of passion. I don't even know if I want to call it business. It's a hobby. It's a passion. It's a passionate hobby. So, uh, yeah, and Memorial Day is important. People are home, although I guess now everyone's home. Uh, and uh, there's stuff to talk about on Memorial Day. I think Carrie's back in her chair. Carrie? Mm-hmm. Hi. Uh, wait, hold on. Let's see if this works. Hey, there she is. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? How are you? How was your weekend? I'm sorry you caught me eating. I see that. My weekend was good. How was yours? Uh, it was good. You know what I did on Saturday? I, uh, I made brisket. It took, oh. it took almost 10 hours. Uh, but it turned out pretty, it turned out pretty good. I'm making another one today. Right now there's like, my wife has to go at, in 20 minutes, her job is to go replace the wood chips, uh, to get the, in the, oh. I'm, I'm, I have to use my regular gas grill as a smoker though. And it's not ideal. It doesn't hold temperature very well, but Brisket is delicious, so, you know, there you go. Brisket is amazingly delicious. <laughs> I used to not eat meat. Well, no, I ate seafood. I was a pescatarian for like 23 years, and then when I moved to Texas, I started eating meat eventually, and um, brisket is one of the reasons I can't go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brisket's it's so good. Brisket's really, hold on, let's try, I want to try a split, yay! Do people like this? Should we do split screen? I saw people saying they love split screen. The problem is you can't eat donuts while no one's looking or whatever it is you're doing, Carrie. I don't know. <laughs> cold cold pizza. <laughs> oh, cold pizza. <laughs> That's very Gen X of you. <laughs> um, so... By the way, wait, I forgot to say, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. If you're not a subscriber, please hit the subscribe button on YouTube. If you are a subscriber, make sure that since the last time you pressed the subscribe button, you're still a subscriber because YouTube has a tendency to knock us, knock you off. Um, you can go to unsafespace.com for a bunch of ways to support the show uh, by monetary donations, by buying merchandise through, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah. Welcome. Happy Memorial Day, everyone. Happy Memorial Day. <laughs> um. So I've got you up so I can see you if I have the chat open, but then oh. I have to scroll because YouTube's got this weird full screen thing now, at least on my end. Oh, they do? So, yeah. But anyway. Oh, okay. Um, well, welcome, guys. So we just picked um, the book for book club. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. So this is a book that um, several people suggested in chat. It's also one of the recommended books on um, Jordan Peterson's uh, recommended list. It's uh, Ordinary Men by Christopher Browning. And since we did fiction last month, we did Animal Farm, we decided to do nonfiction this month. 
you can get it. We're going to put the link up. Well, we did put the link up already on Unsafe Space on Facebook. We're doing. We're going to have it on the book club page on unsafespace.com. I'll and do that later today, the, by the way. Later so, today. Yep. Um, currently, Carter told me there's only use, used copies available on Amazon. So you can get a used copy or it's free if you have Kindle Unlimited. It is on Kindle and you can get an audiobook. Um, but uh, the date is going to be Sunday, June 28th. At We're doing it at this new early time again for the third time. Cause, so we feel like that that's that lets the UK people join us if they want to. So yeah. um, we'll be doing it at noon Pacific on Sunday, June 28th. Yep. And... I'm just get, can I just announce after this the book that we're going to do in case you want to get a head start? <laughs> uh, yes. The book we're going to do after this is Atlas Shrugged. It's long. We may split it into two book clubs we haven't figured out, but it's long. Uh, so if you want to do the next one, just a heads up. You could start early. It's a long book, but it's very important and relevant. So anyway, Carrie, uh, I, so I made brisket. What'd you do over the weekend? Um, I went to a new church. So you guys, if you watch the podcast, you know, I've been visiting this cowboy church for a while and that's been really fun. I like the cowboy church. Um, this Sunday I went to a new church and it was their first service ever and they held it in a guitar. Oh, so like a brand new church. Wow. A brand new church. Yeah. They held it in a guitar shop on the square. (laughs) Wait, um, uh, does that make them Baptist, Lutheran? Who, who holds churches in (laughs) guitar shops? Actually, it's not it can't know. be episcopalian like there's certain things that they just wouldn't do that right i don't know who holds i was well you know what orthodox christianity is something that keeps popping up on my radar my friend tina just um became orthodox and she sent me some books and i keep reading about it and meeting people who are orthodox and i couldn't tell if they're orthodox or i, I just still don't know enough about denominations honestly um my boyfriend thought they might be church of christ it, I don't know, they're Bible believing and this was totally different than the cowboy church. The preacher was, um, so the cowboy church I love, it, I love both of them equally for different reasons. Um, this one was more, they sang all the hymns a cappella like Church of Christ does, which was really cool. All the old hymns and everybody's doing different parts, you know. Um, but then they, the sermon was very, uh, I would say it's one of the most intellectual sermons I've ever heard. And, how so? you know, I was talking, I mean, he was cross-referencing different books and um, different thinkers, and he was sort of, uh, you know what's what's interesting? He was talking about how we're in this this ideological war, which is what we talk about on our podcast. And, uh, you know, his point of view coming at it from a Christian point of view and talking to a room of presumably Christians, believers who are there for the service. He, his point was that um, sometimes Christians are, might be tempted to say, you know, this, to not, to not get involved in culture and to kind of seed culture to other forces um, and, and just sort of be like, but this is just a temporary place before, you know, we're reunited with God in heaven. So and who so, cares what goes on here, basically? Right. And his point was that that is not. That what seems non, not very Jesus-like, but okay. Yeah, he actually, and he he took it all the way back to Genesis. His sermon was about how, um, you know, God created man to be, um, 
to to order to to bring order to chaos it actually reminded me a lot of jordan peterson a little bit but to bring order to chaos you know to name all the animals to have dominion over the earth and he said part of that is culture and he got into the how um it doesn't matter how many believers there are. It's not so much about numbers. It's it's about um, it's about power. He didn't use that word power, but that's what that's my word. Um, but he was sort of saying, you know, you you see, um, you don't see a lot of the Christian culture represented in the culture at large in the world. They're not running entertainment studios. Um, they're not putting out films and art entertainment from a Christian perspective. Um, the culture is being dominated by others. And, and so has he, for his, quite some time, actually. For quite yeah. some time, yeah. And he kind of got back to the roots of, he, he did a, like some history, like a history lesson and, and touched on things I had no idea about. He talked about Harvard uh, and how Harvard was uh, founded by Christians. And he, t- he showed, there's a picture of, he showed us a picture of the uh, crest uh, I forget what that's called, but, you know, for, for uh, Harvard, yep. their emblem. Mm-hmm. And it used to say truth and then and then something about Christ. And they ended up, of, of course, taking that off. And now it just says truth. And he was talking hmm. about severing. How do you sever truth from God? And the founders would have would have thought that impossible because truth was tied up in God for the for the people who founded Harvard. But, um, yeah, it was just it was a really interesting sermon and i definitely am going to go back to that church uh and hear more what he has to say yeah and i actually i came away thinking carter would love this and i talked to the uh preacher afterwards briefly and i was telling him about um about our podcast just a little bit but i mentioned like the fact that i see more and more atheists who are starting to support christian foundations even if they don't believe in god and they but they they're starting to talk about the importance of christianity to western society and that's what he was talking about the importance of christianity to western society these foundational beliefs and he was saying you know um people who claim to be atheists or people who he didn't use this he didn't talk about woke culture but let me let me put i'll put (laughs) My, my observation was that people who participate in woke culture and who preach SJW ideology and this sort of uh, social justice ideology, even that ideology has foundations in Christian belief. And yes, um, he that, was saying if you remove the foundations, eventually the whole edifice comes crumbling down. And I was thinking how much you would probably like this sermon, even though you're atheist. And so afterwards, I talked to him briefly, and he mentioned – he said the phrase – cultural Christians. And I was like, that's exactly what Carter is. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, kind of. I mean, uh, you know, it's funny that you bring this up because someone just, um, I forget who shared this, but I think it was in Telegram. Someone shared this article. Uh, Tina. Was it Tina? Atheists are warning that Christianity may be necessary for the survival of Western civilization. And I want to yes. get this guy on the show. This guy, Tom Holland, wrote a book called Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World. And this is exactly what it's it's partly what uh, everyone from Stefan Molyneux to Jordan Peterson, uh, and I kind of consider them a little bit different. I know a lot, every, a lot of people just throw them both in the alt-right camp, but whatever. Um, they're not. They're not. Uh, uh, Molyneux might, might be. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm not sure. I don't know what the but definition Peterson's is. Not. But Peterson's not. Um, 
but you know, it's it's something that they've both been talking about. I've been talking about as the the importance of um, paying tribute to the origins of Western civilization and Christianity being uh, inherently uh, tied in there. And I think actually, when you're immersed in a culture that it's weird, Christianity created this. I, I won't say Christianity by itself, because Christianity existed prior to the United States, obviously. But uh, Christian theologians, well, Christian philosophers, or at least Christian-influenced philosophers, helped create the U.S. Um, they created the uh, one of the—well, really the first government ever to respect individual rights and have a, uh, you know, to the extent that it does. I mean, really a free society in a way that had— never been imagined before. Yes, there was issues with it, right? But um, the most free society that had ever existed. And you ended up with all the success. And I think once you're in that society, it's easy to look at Christianity and be like, well, what does this have to do with anything? Like, we could do this without Christianity. And it's like, well, <laughs> I, I agree. As an atheist, I agree. But you can't do it without philosophic foundations. And uh, you certainly can't do it with the bad foundations that most atheists want to replace uh, our society with. So, you know, you end up with most atheists, as I've said, are state theists. They they worship the state. Um, they're Marxists, uh, a lot of them. And, you know, or they're just plain old nihilists. You can't just burn the church down and be like, everything will be fine. <laughs> like, like <laughs> No, like morals matter. Uh, and so you got to replace them with something those, real, yeah, right? Where do you derive those morals? Like well, and, and again, a lot of, a lot of atheists tend to either have, they either are like total moral relativists, which is horrible or, uh, the, actually this is another form of moral relativism, but, uh, <laughs> they're moral relativists or they believe that morals happen through democracy somehow, which is <laughs> like not how morals that's, work or they just blatantly awful. worship the state, right? Or like they have something they would love, like they love the state or they love uh, every species that's not human, um, like the, the earth or whatever. They have something that they worship. Uh, so yeah, uh, I still, you know, I'm still an atheist, but I, I do, I do have a lot of respect for it. So I want to get this guy, Tom Holland, on the show if we can. Uh, I'm going to yeah, reach out one, to him and one see. One part of that article, I'm glad you read that article, and Tina found another one talking about the same thing. Like, it really is a trend, I think. It, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. Starting to defend Christian principles. And um, I'm glad you read it because it, there was one part where he, he mentioned exactly what you're talking about is for, for the atheists who you might – you might categorize as culturally Christian, then the question for those guys becomes like, well, can you establish a system of morals without a, the belief in the creator? This is probably at the root of your debates with Julianne. Is she sort of... Well, yeah, I mean, it's that, it's that Dennis Prager argument. Uh, it's not his argument, but like he has a very popular video about this, which is like objective morality requires belief in a... In a supreme being of some kind. And I think he actually argues specifically a Judeo-Christian being. Um, Julianne, I'm not sure where she stands because sometimes I feel like she's arguing for a Christian God and other times I feel like she's arguing for like, there's something mysterious behind the universe. So I'm not really sure uh, with her where my 
contention is exactly like where we disagree. But um, I don't think you know, those two things are mutually exclusive, by the way, just to throw that out there. But well, one's very specific and one's like, right. I mean, certainly I think people like Dennis Prager, if you said, oh, OK, OK, I agree that there is some consciousness in the universe that's directing everything like that wouldn't satisfy him. He wouldn't be like, okay, great. Now you can get objective morality. He would say, no, 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 no. You need a Judeo-Christian God. And like, that's that's where objective morality comes from. Whereas Julianne, I'm not sure. Um, and we haven't discussed that in, in particular. But um, that are, you know, I've, I've, I have a video about how the, I believe that argument to be philosophically invalid. Uh, like that's just not, it, it doesn't work logically, but uh, I get that that's what people's position is on it. And I don't, I don't blame them because they look out at the world and they go, well, like, look what happens when people get reject God. They embrace nothingness and like, okay, well, yeah, there are a hell of a lot of moral relativists um, who are not Christian, who are who are atheists. So uh, the correlation is certainly high <laughs> there, and I don't I don't dispute that at all. Um, you know, Tax Terra in chat says uh, Christianity is dangerous to the state. Yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> anything again i i actually don't even like to call them state or atheists i like to say state theists because there are we have the, the default religion right now is worship of the state and um christianity is is this idea christianity in in, in embodies this idea that there are morals that are separate from laws <laughs> and that's very very dangerous to a state right um, yeah. any objective moral code does that by the way Mine does as well. It's just not based in Christianity, right? But uh, moral relativists can't make that argument, right? They, they, it's like, well, if people vote for it, it becomes moral, and like, there's no, you know, th there's no way to make that argument. And so they're less of a threat to the state. But anyone with objective morals and and who views morality as an issue separate from the state, which, by the way, includes most of the famous presidents in history and the founding fathers and people that you've <laughs> read about in history books. I mean, wasn't it Lincoln who famously said something about, uh, or was it Benjamin Franklin? I One of them. I can't believe I'm confusing those two because I love Ben Franklin and really don't like a lot about Lincoln. But someone, one of them <laughs> said something about, uh, you know, you can't legislate morality. I think it was actually Lincoln. Um, so uh, this is a great quote. You can't legislate morality. Right. Uh, I found that we've talked about this before. A lot of leftists, maybe maybe people on the right do this, too. I just am not surrounded by people on the right usually. But on the left, I've seen a lot of people believe that you can legislate morality and they do confuse morality with legality all the time. That's why they don't understand when you say. I can believe something should be legal, but I think it's immoral. They don't understand that distinction. Right. You know, can I can I make a comment about Christianity? Because um, I haven't thought about this until literally just this moment. I don't know yeah. that it's Christianity. I think it's Protestant Protestantism. I don't think Catholicism what? is uh, that's responsible for the West. I don't like maybe it's Catholicism, but it seems like because someone someone in chat just said. Um, who was it? It was Daniel Keene just said, Christianity also pushes self-control, accountability, and being productive and self-reliant member of society. And that made me think of the, the Christian uh, view of individuality and your individual responsibility. And that really came from the Protestant Reformation. That wasn't like, 
like it was kind of part of Catholicism, but Catholicism was like, don't read the Bible. A priest will read the Bible for you. This isn't for everyone to like have their own relationship with God. You got to go through us. Like, I don't know how helpful that was in building Western civilization, but the, the breakaway. Um, and if you, and if you look like America wasn't founded by Catholics, it was founded by Protestants uh, predominantly. So um, I'm wondering if there's a difference between those two. And not being a theologian uh, and, and having just thought of it, I don't really have anything to add, but maybe you do. I don't. I'm still learning. Um, I do think, yeah, there's something about Catholicism. I, I really enjoyed the time. I, for a while, I was going to um, a Catholic um, church. Do, you, do they call them churches? A cathedral. <laughs> I don't know. They call them churches, uh, right? I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I liked, I liked a lot about it. I liked the, um, it felt very old and like tied to tradition. And there was something, um, about, about that, that I liked and something meditative about the way they do the repetition. It's very but ritualistic. On the other hand, yeah. It's ritualistic. But on mm -hmm. the other hand, there's something meditative about the prayers and, and, and I like that. But it also could lend itself to people just repeating stuff without being very present in what they're doing. Like if you say a prayer and you're just reciting the prayer without thinking about the words, you, you don't you're not really consciously, I don't think, engaging in the same way as when you're like thinking of what you're saying. So right. it could lend itself to that. Yeah. I, I'm, I, that's not answering your question. Sorry. No, no, that's no, that's my... fine. And and, and I, I don't know that I need to point this out, but someone in chat pointed it out. And they, I, so. I guess I'll say it if it doesn't use bed. Yes, Christianity also pushed a lot of toxic crap on society. Like I agree, Christianity. There's a there's a lot that Christianity yeah. is has done wrong. So I'm not uh, I'm not saying it's all sunshine and roses. <laughs> uh, but uh, you well, know, look at saying, look yeah. at our alternatives. I mean, this is the thing. A lot of times people don't uh, look at things. They they look they compare things to ideals and then they criticize them. Like, oh, it's not it's not. Uh, it's not all sunshine and roses, therefore it's bad. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's way less toxic than basically everything else. <laughs> like, just about everything else. Like, okay, yeah, it's not great. It's got problems. Let's figure out what's good about it because there is something good about it. And if I look at, like, um, you know, if we look at the Enlightenment and we look at the Enlightenment thinkers, like Voltaire, John Locke, like, I don't think they were Catholics. They were all Protestants, right? Again, you'll have to go to someone in chat. I, I'm not well versed in this, so All I'm right. not sure. Right. I do want to point out just this name because, again, I keep hearing certain or meeting people of a certain faith over and over again or hearing about things. And Ravi Zacharias, Laura mentions Ravi Zacharias, she said, who just passed away this is. last week. Okay, so the preacher yesterday mentioned him. And um, highly recommended him. And I, I have a friend from a couple years ago who kept telling me I need to li listen to him. So he just passed away. Laura says he just passed away this week. He was an incredible intellectually perspective on Christianity. Worth a look. Oh, so, okay. yeah, I definitely intend to look him up. Um, this, You know what? Also, someone just said um, Paul Vanderclay would be a good person to speak to. Yes. I keep hearing that, but uh, we've not spoken to him yet. We should probably But he said he's willing to. That's oh, on us. He? We have to get that scheduled. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And by guys, us, you mean we, you? We'll talk to him. Oh. <laughs> hey, everyone. Tell Kara to send an email. <laughs> That's okay. The royal we. The royal we. <laughs> the royal we. We socialize our failures here. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
but but we generally also thing. socialize the profits here, so it's fine. Um. I have a habit of doing that with, uh, in the morning. I'll be like, uh, you know, we should make coffee. And I mean the other person. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I can I, this is a kind of not a very, it's kind of a depressing story, but it, it was the cover photo for Friday and we didn't talk about it. And I want, I do want to talk about it. Um, and it is related to what we're talking about. Um, so can we, can we touch on this really briefly? Um, it's related to churches, but it's also related to the coronavirus. Uh, let's see. I'll probably have to unsplit screen us for this. Yeah, I do. Hold on for a second. Da, 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 da. Here I am. All right, there we go. So, <sighs> church that deified, sorry, deified. <laughs> I have deification in my head. Church that defied coronavirus restrictions is burned to the ground. This is in Mississippi. Police found a message, quote, bet you stay home now, you hypocrites, with a K. I don't know what that means. Spray painted on the ground near the church's doors, according to officials. Um, there's really not much to say. This was the church, the first Pentecostal church. They had sued the city of Holly Springs, um, which is about an hour southeast of Memphis, uh, arguing... Oh, I thought they were in Mississippi. I guess they're in Tennessee. Um, or is, yeah, who knows? Maybe they're in, who knows? Uh, arguing that its stay-at-home order had violated the church's right to free speech and it's, interfered it's with... Mississippi. That's what I thought, but, yeah, okay. So I guess it's near the border. Um, so, yeah, there's a message. I mean, there's not really much else to say other than this is like in a, a radical Karen, I guess, doing Yeah, so doing I thing. have something to say about this. Yeah. You know, the same way that um, you and I are critical of the mainstream media, the legacy media and ideologues and politicians jumping all over fake hate crimes before there's enough information to know if, if they're real or not. Right. And spreading them could, and could creating be. hysteria. Yeah, my, my spidey sense went off just for a second. So normally it would, it, a couple things. It's usually the left, the radical left, that fakes hate crimes because it's like that C.S. Lewis quote, the world isn't as dark as they want it to be. Right. <laughs> They're creating more darkness. They're creating the darkness they wish it were that they want to see. And the narrative, they, they're creating the narrative that they're trying to sell you. Yep. So like Jesse Smollett, you know, these fake hate crimes that happen. There have been lots of... Um, when Trump was elected, there were a ton of fake hate crimes. There was even a church burned where somebody sprayed Trump there, and then it turns out it was somebody who worked at the church. You know, okay. they're, they're, but they tried to pin it on Trump voters. This is different in that if someone is faking this, it it doesn't seem like it would be a person on the radical left. Um, no, it seems like it would be, this would be someone who's against the lockdown stuff, right? The, the lockdown, place right? Stuff, and I is, just yeah. It's just, I think, I think out of character. So for someone who is against a lockdown to do this, I just don't see it that often. I don't see people who support individual rights and liberty faking hate crimes as often. Yeah. Um, however, whenever I see somebody misspell something in a hate crime, like that person misspelled hypocrites, yep. that's always raises my spidey sense a little bit because it's when it happened, when the radical left fakes hate crimes, they misspell stuff on purpose because they... Um, uh -huh. 
mistakenly believe that people on the right are the other uh, side's idiots. dumb so i need to look like the dumb other side yeah right yeah and Interesting. so i was like wait a minute why is that word misspelled um, i assumed that the k was maybe... there intentionally because it was often when so not thinking about it as a hoax I was like, oh, right. well, they're doing the K because they like to add Ks to call you a Nazi subtly, right? It's like a KKK reference. Oh. They, they replace letter, they replace Cs with Ks and, right? They they write America with a K or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? I guess I didn't catch, I didn't think so about that. So the left does do that. Um, but I don't know. You're right. This could totally be a hoax. Um, this could totally be a hoax. But my gut is that even though I had a spidey sense tingle, my, my gut is still overwhelmingly that it's not a hoax, that somebody actually did this. And burned this church down, and it, and if that turns out to be the case, I, I'm almost with I'm speechless about it because I don't understand how you think burning a church to the ground gives you the moral high ground yeah. at all. Yeah. Well, Stephen Landau in chat says Matt Christensen did a vid video on this, and, and it has all the hallmarks of a hoax. So I I don't know what oh, the does. hallmarks I don't know what the hallmarks of a hoax are. Um. So that's I, interesting. I, can't I didn't judge know that, that but, but I. Yeah. I had a fighty sense at first. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but it, it was worth mentioning. And, um, you know, of course, this would be all over CNN if it were the other way around. Like oh, if yeah. It were, if it were a hate crime uh, against the other people. They wouldn't be <laughs> right. waiting for the facts if it right. were against the left, right? If it, yeah, right. If it made, it, yeah, if it were, if it fit their narrative, this would be everywhere as com look confirmation, right? Yeah, but it is not. It is not. All right. Uh, that was. All. I just wanted to mention that, and nothing else to say about that. Um, there's a bunch. Of, I, I don't. There's a bunch of stuff that happened this weekend. I mean, actually, not a lot that happened. There's a lot of news that happened this weekend, but not a lot of it is relevant. Did you see... So today is Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. Did you see um, both... I actually want to look at both the New York Times story and the Fox reaction to this story. Did you see this? their Memorial Day story? No. Okay. Um, here, let's do this. I will put this up and... Let's see. Huh. Our unsafe space logo disappears when I do that. I don't know why. I'll have to fix that later. Uh, okay. That's not the right article, but this is the right article. Why? So they, it's an opinion from New York Times. Why does the U.S. military celebrate white supremacy? That's quite a title. <laughs> okay. Wait, first of all, I haven't seen this yet. But what is built into that headline? Obviously, a there's presupposition. Yeah, yeah, of course. That a presupposition that the military does celebrate white supremacy. They're taking it as a given. Of course, they are. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it's why did you you know when did you stop beating your wife? Right. That's the yeah. that's the headline. When did you stop beating your wife? Why does the U.S. military celebrate white right. supremacy? Okay. So, uh, so here's the headline. Now, the headline is atrocious. And before I go through the story, actually, I want to just point out, so here's Fox News' reaction to it. New York Times on Memorial Day weekend, U.S. military celebrates white supremacism. And they go through and, and yell about the article. Now, oh, freaking videos. Okay. Now, um, I read this article, 
And we try and be as fair as possible here and objective as possible with this. This title is atrocious. It's everything that Kerry just said, right? It assumes that the U.S. military, I mean, if you look at it right now, it, it means the U.S. military celebrate. Why does it celebrate? This is a present tense, right? This isn't like, hey, once upon a time, there were white supremacists in the military. This is, it actively celebrates, not just, not even just tolerate or not notice, but celebrates. The military currently celebrates, celebrates white supremacy. That's a, that's a bold argument or a bold statement. What this article is actually about is the naming of various military bases. And they make some arguments that, well, um, first of all, uh, the Confederate flag is racist and we can, quote, dispense. So, yeah, we'll just walk through it a little bit. The white supremacist who murdered nine black churchgoers in Charleston, South Carolina, five years ago, dispensed with the fiction that the Confederate battle flag was an innocuous symbol of Southern pride. Okay? So they start out saying, hey, it's a fiction to say that the Confederate flag is just an innocuous symbol of Southern pride. Um, when the military started to say, we're not going to allow the Confederate flag to be used in military, uh, you know, organizations or whatever, in divisions, people can't use the flag. Uh, the commandant who said this avoided references to racism or white supremacy. So by avoiding such references, he suggested that, suggesting it was still justifiable for people of goodwill to view the Confederate banner as a harmless expression of regional pride. Not, not mentioning something because you don't want to go down a rat hole does not mean suggesting that it was justifiable. But of course, they want to put, they want to put that in his mouth. They want to say that he's done this. Before we, I just, I want to pause here for just a moment. Um, they, about the flag, they say apologists often describe the name. So they're now talking about the names of military bases that have, that were named after Southern generals. Apologists often describe the names as a necessary gesture of reconciliation in the wake of civil war. In truth, the names reflect a federal embrace of white supremacy. So I, I just want to pause for a second on the flag. Uh, cause I was thinking about this when I was, and I don't know what this was like for you, Carrie, but when I was growing up, I did not view at all the Confederate flag as a symbol of racism. I thought it was just a Southern pride thing. Like there was the show Dukes of Hazzard, which I loved. They had a Confederate flag on their car named General Lee. Um, and as I recall, and someone can point this out uh, if I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't remember them being racist uh, in in the show. I don't remember there being racism in the show at all. Uh, it was a, it was just a Southern pride kind of thing. That said, here's the thing about symbols. Symbols are symbols of something to someone. Symbols can change their meaning. And the left has made a concerted effort to take everything that might have been benign and turn it, especially everything to do with American history, into a racist symbol. So it, Carrie, by the way, you're muted. So if you're talking, I don't think anyone can hear you. Um, 
I said yes. Okay. Yeah, I thought you said yes because I saw your lips move. <laughs> but so symbols can change. It may very well be that the Confederate flag is viewed as a racist symbol now. And that that can be changed because you teach people that and now it's a racist yes. symbol. Like Okay, can I interject? Yeah, please. If you guys haven't seen it, Carter and I did. This is a while back. This was close to when we started Unsafe Space. We did a video about um, these articles that SJWs like to write where they say, you know, 35 phrases and words that you didn't know were racist. Right. And then they bring in all of these benign words and phrases. And um, if you look at the etymology of some of these, some of these probably did have racist connotation way back when they don't now they they single out phrases like um um see uh, uh long time no see that was one long time no see right. is now is racist they try and take benign phrases and recast them in present day as racist and sometimes they're successful and they get sjw's to quit using spirit animal is one they're like you can't say spirit animal that's racist yep. so people quit using these words and then you've just created a whole list of 35 new racist words that nobody who used those had any racist intent in their mind when they used them and currently. And now, now they do. Now those words are dangerous words and actual racists become, if they're really successful, actual racists become the only ones who continue to use them. And it gives those words a power. And yes, they do the same thing with symbols. When I grew up, I'm from the South, I'm from South Carolina. The Confederate flag was like you're saying, it was like Southern pride. It was it was like, it, it was no different than um, wearing a sports team. You know, this is my team. You know, I'm from right. the South. Um, right. What happened with the flag is that it became one of these public battlegrounds where just like they redefine words, they try and redefine racism and sexism. And just like they try and recast benign phrases like long time no see as racist. Um, cakewalk was another, they tried to say cakewalk is racist. Anyway, they successfully recast this as a racist symbol and they got it taken down off of some state houses in the South. And I was a part of that. When I was in SJW, this was one of the things I was, I became really vocal about. Um, I used to post about it a lot, you know, and the, the point of view that I, I argued as an SJW, um, when people would tell me, well, that's not what that flag means to me. It doesn't mean anything racist. That's not why I have it, you know, on on my shirt or whatever. Right. Here's what it means to me. And they would try to tell me their definition for it. And I would completely disregard their definition. And I would say, well, it doesn't matter how you define it. If a group of people, if, if again, a lot of SJWs, especially white SJWs, um, are emboldened to go out and speak on behalf of people of color, so-called marginalized people, which itself is really condescending to call someone marginalized because of their skin color. But they speak on behalf and say, oh, the, all the marginalized people are upset and offended. So it doesn't matter what you think it means. It matters what they think it means. Therefore, that's what it means. And that's BS, by the way. This is an anecdote. But I'll tell you, a couple years ago, I was home visiting my parents and there was a outdoor market, like a flea market or something on the square. And the different vendors are set up. And there's one vendor who sells like nothing but Confederate flag, actual flags, um, lighters, you know, flip flops, whatever. If you can put some a flag on it, he's put a flag on it. <laughs> His whole booth is Confederate flags. He's a black guy. <laughs> so 
Like that guy, I know it's an anecdote, but I just thought that was hilarious at the time because when I was back there, it was during when another one of these flare ups where it was like, oh, you can't, you know, you can't have this flag. It means something awful. So yes, I do think the meaning has changed um, to such a degree that I I wouldn't sport that flag now because because it does. I think I think the um, mainstream meaning they have been successful in recasting what that flag means. They have. So, yeah. That's just my thought. No, I, I agree. And that's why when I, when I was reading this article, I, I had this ambivalence because I was like, well, it's not, it wasn't a symbol of that, but it kind of has become a symbol of racism, particularly because of the left. Um, and if you think about this, this is what the left wants to do. So if you hate America, which, by the way, is probably one of the fundamental ways to just think about leftists. They just despise freedom. They hate America. Um, so, which I know sounds trite, but it just works. It's a, it's a nice shortcut to think about their mentality. Um, if you hate America, well, you need to, you need to get rid of, uh, you need to undermine the history. You need to undermine any nostalgia for any part of America. You need to destroy America's foundations. And one of the ways you do that is you say, well, uh, America was founded during a time of racism, which is true. Now, racism was not unique to America. Racism was global. Uh, in fact, there's probably much more racism outside of America today than, uh, than there is inside of America. But uh, racism was part of human history for almost all of human history. And when America was founded, there was absolutely, there was, there was racism. And so what they do is they say, well, we're going to take what was occurring at the time, which was part of America, because everything was part of America, right? It's part of the culture. And we're going to make the bad part, the defining characteristic we're gonna take we're gonna take this thing and we're gonna take the things that we now know are bad and make it the defining characteristic of this culture. And so if you look at how the left portrays the founding of America, they they don't say, well, this was the first time anyone had ever delineated uh, uh, rights that the government was forced to respect. And you know, they didn't do it properly and they excluded this race, but you know, this is the first time in that that there's individual rights and and it took Frederick Douglass later to point out that you weren't being consistent to your founding documents in order to uh, overcome things like slavery and some of the the prejudice and discrimination that was that was systemic there. But those things, you know, it's not racism didn't make America unique. You, the questions like what makes America different from other countries? Racism wasn't what made America different. Um, it was individual liberties. It was a limited government. It was the constitutional. Uh, it was America's constitution that was unique. Um, and so, what they but they can't they can't go after which the ideas of the constitution to, very easily. Which which just to add to that, sure. Which those founding principles and ideas and the idea of individual individualism. That's what that also led to us abolishing slavery and giving women the right to vote and all of these things which which were very unique and yes. set an example for the rest of the world and you will this is like um if you guys haven't seen it yet Carter and I got to do an interview with uh professor uh William Allen mm -hmm. and 
that that was one of my favorite interviews yet. And he really kind of takes apart the 1619 project, which is the uh, curriculum that the New York Times is now putting into public schools in which they're trying to recast the history of the U.S. and paint it as being uh, founded on evil and on racism. And that's not what we were founded on. Right. Um, right. Yeah. We were founded concomitant with racism. Like <laughs> racism was around and part of the milieu everywhere when America was founded. Uh, and and as a result, um, some of that racism was institutionalized. But it was through an appeal to America's uh, principles that, that racism was eradicated. So um, anyway, what, they, what they're trying to do is paint all of it as, as racist and bad. And, and I, they maybe have been successful with the Confederate flag. And anyway, so the, this New York Times article, here's the thing that I want to say that I think is treating it semi-fair fairly um i most of the rest of it i actually don't disagree with this this person writes about hey we've got a bunch of bases named after some pretty horrible people that's true we do have some bases named after some horrible people um some of these people were overt racists some of these people were just according to this now i'm not a historian a military historian but like, this person claims that General Bragg was flatly incompetent. Okay. Like, and and this person's claiming that some of these bases were named in concession, uh, in reconciliation after uh, the Civil War to kind of make the South feel better where they named some bases after some Southern commanders. It may very well be that there are some bases in the military that are poorly named. Um, however... As this person in the article says themselves, um, although the military did start out with, did implement a lot of Jim Crow and segregation stuff that was part of federal law and, and culture at the time during Reconstruction, the military actually eradicated it um, and before it was eradicated in many small towns. And so this person talks about Mr. Pa uh, Colin Powell. Mr. Powell describes the racially integrated bases of the segregated 1960s era South as healthy cells in an otherwise sick body. So actually, yeah, okay, the military had some, some issues that were prevalent everywhere that were reflected in military policy. But actually, when they started to integrate racially, they were before society, the rest of society was integrated racially. So I guess what bothers me about this article is two things. One is this headline really should be something along the lines of it's time to change the names of a few military bases. <laughs> okay. You can make that argument if you want to. You can disagree with it. You could agree with it. It doesn't matter. That's the con. That's what this article really is. Um, and, but instead of that, they chose on Memorial Day weekend. Now, Memorial Day, Memorial Day is the day that we celebrate people who have died in service to the United States. This is a day that we celebrate people who have given their lives. Now, just as an aside, I don't know how many people gave their lives hoping that someday we'd be forced to wear masks and the stores would be closed and uh, would have to look to our leaders to <laughs> ask when we could attend concerts. I'm pretty sure most of them gave their lives for freedom. 
However, this is the day that we that or we worse than that look to our look to our so-called leaders for for a pittance for money <laughs> right to pay right. permission to do things and money kids with. yeah right that's not yeah, that's not why these soldiers died yeah but um that said that said uh you know we we're supposed to be we're supposed to be honoring those people over memorial day weekend and the timing of this is like Hey, while you're honoring honoring the people who've given their lives defending freedom, I would like to point out that the U.S. military is actively celebrating white supremacy. Total lie. There's no evidence in this article that the U.S. military is celebrating white supremacy. The only evidence that this article has is that there are some bases that are named names that maybe should be changed now. That's it. That's what's in this article. The headline does not justify the contents of the article at all. And it came no, out it's, now. They put it out it's now. It's meant to be, yeah, it's meant to be as offensive as possible. Yes. I think. It's Absolutely. It's completely disrespectful. It's, it's meant and, to spit on the graves yeah. of, of people on Memorial Day. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's meant yeah. to do. Um, so, I mean, it's the New York Times, so I guess we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, but I don't now, know. Yeah, I'm angry. You're now you're angry. Well, Carrie, don't get angry uh, because I haven't shared with you the big outrage yet. Okay. You know, the big outrage is uh, apparently Trump was tweeting this weekend. Can you believe it? Can you <laughs> believe he was tweeting? He tweeted. No. In the midst of a pandemic, Trump tweeted. But hold on. Hold on. I know this is probably going to be funny, though, right? I, I don't know. It depends. You yeah, sure. It's funny. Let's see. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure you... Okay. Again, our friends at the New York Times. <clears throat> Trump promotes posts from racist and sexist Twitter feed. So, <laughs> all right. There's some red flags right away. He... This... Trump retweeted someone who we are claiming is racist and sexist. Like, all right, yeah, here we go. <laughs> Let, let's see how this goes. On a somber Memorial Day weekend... A weekend that the New York Times is treating with such seriousness, such reverence. (laughs) The reverence that the New York Times is treating the Memorial Day weekend with is not matched by Trump. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, but why is this a headline? What has happened to this paper? This is (laughs) is like what you would expect on BuzzFeed. I know, I know. And and in contrast to what we just watched, we just saw an article where they claimed that the U.S. military was actively celebrating white supremacy. (laughs) And... And, and now they have the gall to say, hey, this is a somber weekend. Trump shouldn't be tweeting like this. This, is, this really gets us. He's really disrespecting the military by, by tweeting. So here we go. Well, you he know did what not they mention... mean by somber, though, they, Carter? They don't mean that Memorial Day is somber, I don't think, they, because they don't respect Memorial Day. Well, they, they want that, you to think uh, that that's a thing. The coronavirus toll, because look at the second, the president did not mention the mounting coronavirus toll. They mean that it's, it happens to be Memorial Day is falling during a somber time. Oh, yeah, no, no, I, I get it. I get it. But the reason yeah. that they're, I mean, they didn't have to mention on, on a somber Memorial Day weekend. They could have just said, <clears throat> if they didn't care about Memorial Day, which they clearly don't, or at least despise it. Yeah. Um, they could have said, 
Amidst a pandemic, the president didn't mention the death tolls, right? Like they could, they didn't have to, they mentioned Memorial Day because they want you to feel like he's doing this on Memorial Day. You're supposed to feel like he's somehow treasonous because he's doing it on Memorial Day. And, yeah. but we really care about the coronavirus death toll, but, uh, but you're supposed to feel like he's, this is somehow a treasonous, unpatriotic thing to do. Okay. He instead he retweeted personal attacks on his political rivals. Well, you know, welcome to politics, douchebags. Okay, so he in, he, he retweeted personal attacks. I I believe that you guys just wrote an entire article about personal attacks uh, on this somber Memorial Day weekend. But let's look, let's look. So <clears throat> here's their evidence. He amplified. Amplified a series of demeaning personal attacks from a supporter with a history of racist and sexist online commentary. So again, they're making a claim. This this person has a history of racist and sexist online commentary. Now, maybe if you're going to um, make this claim, you need to bring evidence. You need to bring evidence if you're going to make this claim. But let me, as an aside here, even if this person does... They're trying to now say we live in a world, which they do this a lot, where you're responsible for everything that a person has ever said or and every belief that another yes. person holds if you retweet something they, they say that you agree with. He didn't retweet. I mean, I haven't read this article yet. You're about to read it to me. But they're not saying that he retweeted something racist and sexist. They're saying he retweeted something from someone who in the past has had racist and sexist tweets. Well, I, you know what? I'm not going to read through the entire Twitter history of every person who I retweet. That's insane. It's impossible. It's it's a there's not enough time in the day, and I'm I'm not responsible for everything they've said. It's like the other day I shared um, a post from someone who it was a mom who was with a mommy group who was protesting the shutdown, and they took their kids to a park, and I liked that post of hers, and I shared that post of hers because I thought right. Look, this is interesting. I want other people to see this mom who's pushing back. And then someone um, said, oh, I don't like these other things that, that she has said in some of her other posts. Like they went to her profile and looked at some of her other stuff where she called um, people who wear masks sheep. And I had to say, well, I don't support that. Or, and I'm not, you know, I, I'm not calling people who wear masks sheep. Um, but... I am also not going to read I'm, I'm through right. the entire history. Yeah, you might call them sheep. And I, I did I did have my month-long thing where I was calling people sheep. I'm no longer doing that. But my point being, I'm not responsible for that person's other post. I'm not even responsible for the one I'm sharing. I just want you guys to – I want people to see it. I like this post. And and you're not – like some some – there was one time where somebody ever tweeted something that Alex Jones tweeted. And it was about um, – it was about YouTube – deleting a video or something and and that was relevant he was the only one talking about the fact that youtube had deleted this specific video and who else am i gonna if i if i can't retweet him then there was no one else at the time that i could retweet about that video disappearing and then and then i got called to, to the carpet for like oh but oh you you retweeted alex jones yeah i did what does yeah. that mean? It doesn't mean anything. I'm not responsible for his beliefs or his opinions. Like, that's stupid. I hate this. I just had to point out that as a side note. I hate this culture that we're in now where they try and say you can never – they try – again, it's a way to keep things off limits. So um, 
maybe people won't share unsafe space videos because they disagree with one thing that you've ever said. Of course, of course they do. No one ever agrees with everyone on everything. That's stupid. Right. Anyway, that's my rant. Well, and, and, <laughs> and just to be clear, this is not something that this is a, again, this is a Saul Alinsky tactic. They hold the other side to standards that they themselves uh, don't care about. So they don't live up to those standards. Yeah. No, I mean, if you recall, <clears throat> the people who mentioned that, for example, Hillary Clinton was good friends with Senator Byrd, who was like, <laughs> wasn't he in the KKK, literally? <laughs> like, yeah. wow. Guilt by association, you can't do that. <laughs> well, yes, we can do that. If you're going to do guilt by tweet association, then we can do guilt by any kind of association. Now, that's a horrible world right. to live in. Like, I don't want to live in that world. Just cut it out. It doesn't matter what this person said. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you that this is, you know, this is what they're doing. But it's important to remember they only do it... Uh, they only do it for one side. It's always unidirectional. So, but let's get back to this. <clears throat> so now they've said this person has a history of racist and sexist online commentary. So let me, <clears throat> this is a general rule I have actually, maybe, maybe I'll pause here for just a moment before I jump back into the article. Uh, I have a general rule. If you're going to make a claim that's outlandish, not even outlandish, a big claim, like a claim that's like, you know, this is a serious, a weighty claim. You are obligated to present the strongest evidence first. Right. You know, and people do this all the time, especially on the left. This person's a racist. Why? Well, they said blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not racist. Well, what about blah, blah, blah? Well, that's not really. Well, what about blah, blah? you can't look, present your one strongest argument. If I beat that, you're done. Shut the fuck up. Close your mouth. If your strongest argument doesn't work, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> choose the strong. You don't choose the weakest argument first and parade through wasting everyone's time. Your strongest, strongest argument. So, I assume that Annie Carney, who wrote this article, knows. She has now said a history of racist and sexist online commentary. Okay, where's the strongest argument she's got for this? Well, she doesn't make an argument right after that. Okay, <laughs> then she goes down here, says Mr. Stahl ran unsuccessfully for Congress. He has a history of derogatory posts, especially against black women. Okay, here's her Did number she, one, her first example. She doesn't show, she doesn't, she doesn't do a, just to be, yeah, she doesn't do like a, I surveyed 3,000 of his tweets and he never tweets anything about white women only, but like, no, she didn't do that. One example she used is, uh, he called Kamala Harris, Willie's hoe. Is that rude? Yes. That's that's not racist or sexist. Right. Is it rude? I mean, it is rude. Is it it is rude. It is not racist or sexist. It, they they've started to move the goalposts where they're saying now first first of all, ho, okay. Yes, you can make an argument that ho is sexist. You're not going to make an argument that Willie's ho is racist though. There's nothing about race in there. That slur ho is name calling a woman who sleeps around. I can, I I'm with you there if you want to say that's a sexist term. Carter may not be with you, but I'm with you. But there's nothing well, racist it's all, but it's, about. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing racist about Willie's Hope. And let me just finish this thought real quick. I'm sorry, I'm talking over you, but that's fine. That's they've fine. moved the goalposts about racism now. I'm sure you've seen this, where they now say 
you're not allowed to criticize or insult any person of color. It's automatically right. racist, no matter what, you, no matter if what you're saying has nothing to do to do with their race. And they do the same thing about women. You're not allowed to insult or criticize women. It's automatically sexist, even if what you're saying has nothing to do with their sex. I turned my sound down for the people in chat who said I was distorting. When I yelled, my audio distorted. I turned it down. Uh, I'll try not to yell so loud, or I'll move. I'll back up from the microphone. Um, but there's nothing yeah. racist in that phrase. Yeah, there's nothing racist. And I, here's the thing that, look, the whole thing is rude. You can argue that it's sexist, but I, I would argue that um, saying women are hoes is sexist, but there's, a, there's context to Kamala Harris. There's context here, which is she was accused of uh, her relationship with Willie Brown, who she was Willie Brown's girlfriend, he was married, although I guess he was estranged from his wife at the time. She was Willie Brown's girlfriend. And according to Willie Brown, now of course the left will say he didn't do anything to help her career because, you know, it's been used against her, blah, blah, blah. Well, according to Willie Brown, uh, yes, I may have influenced her career by appointing her to two state commissions when I was California Assembly Speaker. And I certainly helped her with her first race for district attorney in San Francisco. Oh, okay. So she got at least two appointments. You can argue whether his support for her race for district attorney for San Francisco helped or hurt her. You can argue that, I guess. But you can't argue that her boyfriend appointed her to two state commissions, which goes on your resume. So there's a history here that this guy's referring to, and he's doing it in a rude way. And yeah, he's using the word ho, which is crass. But he's not saying she's a dumb ho because she's a woman. He's saying, he's, he's calling attention to like, mm, kind of some uh, shenanigans going on here. There was maybe a little bit of uh, cronyism happening at the beginning of this woman's political career, and I would like to remind you of it. That's what he's doing in a very rude, horrible way. But, so what? So what? I don't like, that's not, that's not worthy of a New York Times article. Retweeting someone who once called Kamala Harris Willie's ho is not New York Times news. Okay, no. I agree All right. on that. So I here we go. Well, apparently it is New York term, Times but... news, by the way. That, yeah, we can disagree. That's fine. But yeah, it and I also be don't. New York Times I also, I, I, with the caveat, I think "ho" is a sexist term, but it's also it doesn't bother me. Like people put too much weight into like words anyway. Like I don't really care. <laughs> they put okay. too much weight into words. Sometimes. Well, sometimes, sometimes they don't put any weight into words, and then the other times they're like, "Oh, I said ho," you know. How right. will you ever? Do you know the things I've been right. called this weekend? I got called the right. c word. Yeah. Okay. But they Whatever. were joking. They weren't joking. I'm kidding. I'm. Kidding. I know, but like that's that's the, the uh, what was that like? James Gunn was kidding, but Mike Cernovich was not kidding. Oh. <laughs> like that's their that's their argument oh, about everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So um. Okay. So that's so number one. She he pulls out Willie's hoe. I think it's kind of weak, but okay. Next, here's your next piece of evidence. Mr. Stahl has called Miss Abrams. This is the uh, self-proclaimed uh, uh, Georgia governor, I guess, or whatever, she's a senator. I forget what she was running, governor. Uh, Mr. Stahl has called Miss Stacey Abrams Shamu. <laughs> okay, well, that's okay, fat okay. shaming, but that's, that's not racist. That's not racist or sexist. No. Nope. You're failing the test here, New York Times reporter. 
That's not right. racist or sexist. That doesn't even approach, at least Willie's hoe has a sexist term in it. This doesn't have either. This is about someone's weight. Yes. So this is her weight. And then this person says, and this is the final, the final piece of evidence here. This is the racist. And posted racist remarks about Joy Reid. Okay, so I'm like, okay, here we go. There's going to be some racism here. Because they say it. Racist remarks. Let's read what those racist remarks are. Quote, when you're born butt ugly, changing your hairstyle every day is only going to make you look <laughs> phonier than, than, your, than you nonsense pathetic show, he wrote of Miss Reed, calling her a skank. Skank may very well be sexist, uh, but there's the no racism there. No, he called no her racism. ugly. Ugly. <laughs> ugly is not a racist term unless you, New York Times, think one race is particularly ugly. In which case, I guess you're kind of racist. But ugly is a word that we use for people regardless of race when we want to disparage their looks. Uh. <laughs> Again, so, so just with the tally here at home, she's given three examples. Two of them have arguably sexist terms, ho and skank. None of them have racist terms. Okay. Right. Right. Um... So anyway, uh, this was this was the argument that Trump did all this stuff. So I wondered, I wondered, okay, New York Times, you thought this weekend was a good time for for Donald Trump. They, or you thought Donald Trump tweets were were worthy this weekend of like these were the tweets that were worthy of his of of, of criticism here in an article. So I looked through what else did Trump tweet this weekend? Because they accused him of not caring about coronavirus victims, right? Mm -hmm. You want to know one other thing that was tweeted this weekend related to the coronavirus? What? <clears throat> At press briefing, McCanny displays a $100,000 check President Trump donated from his presidential salary to HHS Gov for development of medications to prevent and treat coronavirus. That's an interesting tweet related to caring about coronavirus victims that happened over the weekend. Did the New York Times do a, a story on it? I, you know, I'm sure I just missed it. <laughs> um, so, uh, and, you know, he, he does tweet about some other coronavirus stuff. He tweets about, oh, he um, lowered the flag to half-mast in honor of coronavirus victims. Um, and, you know, and then he tweeted about a bunch of political stuff. And, um, and he did retweet this guy who, by the way, uh, was kind of funny. This guy, this guy made some masks for Nancy Pelosi. One of them says Trump 2020. Um, <laughs> one of them is duct tape. Uh, this guy also said, um, about Stacey Abrams, we just got to look at the official portrait for the self-proclaimed governor of Georgia. She fought a tough race, kissed a lot of babies and visited every buffet restaurant in the state. Joe will be a racist if he doesn't pick her. So kind of funny, um, you know, rude, but, but funny. And uh, so those are the things that Trump tweeted this weekend. And of all of the things, the only thing that mattered was that he, those few retweets of the racist, sexist so person, apparently. Um, I have a challenge for unsafe space viewers. Um, here's my challenge. Let's hold Anne Guerin, the New York Times reporter who wrote this amazing piece about you're gonna hold her to the tweets. same standard <laughs> yeah i would like for people to go through her tweets 
and find now here's the standard find someone who she's retweeted whose other tweets are mean or use the word <laughs> ho or use the word yeah use some it's called someone ugly right right call someone ugly or whatever that's not very that's not going to be very hard that's why you shouldn't hold people to standards that you don't live up to yourself I guarantee you she's retweeted more than one person who has other tweets in their tweet history that are rude. <laughs> so, maybe. Maybe just maybe. I'd like to I'd like to compile it and write a piece about her. There yep. we go. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm sure she will uh I'm sure she'll she'll survive that, Carrie, because she is squeaky clean. She's never done anything. Never retweeted anyone. Um, yeah, I, so I don't actually have a lot else to say about these particular issues. Um, someone just asked, uh, how much president makes a year. I think it's between 400 and 450 K or something like that. Trump does donate all of his, uh, is he, is he the only salary. president, the first president that's ever donated his salary? I think so. I think so. Yeah, we um, never talk about that. You know, and I forget who tweeted this, or I would give them credit. It might have been that guy again, but uh, someone tweeted something, which which I think is a... I, I really like this concept. They tweeted about the president's tax returns. They said, uh, we don't need to see the tax returns of a billionaire who cho chose to become president and donate his entire salary. We need to see the tax returns of people who were poor and got to be millionaires while they were public servants. It's a very good point. <laughs> um, there, are, you know, you could argue you can need to see both tax returns, but uh, there's definitely a double standard on on that kind of stuff. So, <sighs> Carrie, what? I was thinking about something. This isn't a very well formed thought, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it anyway because you'll help me with it. Okay. Um, someone also shared this Jordan Peterson video with me about uh, him talking about Hitler being uh, like OCD about like a high disgust factor, right? Um, yeah. Washing his hands incessantly and that kind of stuff. And I, I remember reading about uh, reading this about about Hitler. I actually also remember reading that he, I thought. I couldn't find this again, but I thought and someone can correct me in chat if, or if they know the history here. I'm not a historian, but uh, they that he like had a bed bug problem or something when he was a kid, like really little. So like he oh. really like he really had this aversion to bugs and parasites and like he, he um, but he clearly had a high disgust factor. And you and I have talked about uh, disgust in in respect to the Jonathan Haidt book, Righteous Mind um, and. Jonathan Haidt talks about disgust, uh, the, a disgust factor being one of his, quote, conservative advantages, right? Um, and he relates the disgust factor to, um, there's the disgust scale that people use. And if you have a higher sense of disgust, you're more likely to be uh, an authoritarian. And um, I'm just looking at this Jonathan Haidt book here. Um, Haidt, uh, Haidt relates this sense of disgust to... Um, to his sanctity slash degradation foundation of, of his moral foundations that, yeah. that he says conservatives have more of. And something dawned on me because uh, I I've always been I've always been annoyed by uh, mainstream 
question, almost all psychological questionnaires aimed at finding links between politics and some psychology. And here's why. Um, and it, it, all these pieces just fell fell together in my brain this morning. Um, I've always just been annoyed because I always felt like the questions came from this premise that didn't make sense for me politically. And I like hated to have to answer them. Let me give you an example. Um, there would be questions like, do you support public funding for the arts, right? And what they're trying to get at, what they would be trying to get at is like, do I have a particular, do I like appreciate art, right? Do I think art's important, right? Um, and that, and I could tell from the questions, like they're trying to see whether I think art is important. I happen to think art is extremely important. I love art. I, I used to collect art. I, I think art's very, very important. I love art. I don't think it should be publicly funded. Because I was at the time, I was a libertarian. I, I don't think anything should be publicly funded. So um, I, I had this, it, it, I, but I felt like they were getting wrong information about me because I would have to click, well, no, I don't think it should be publicly funded. Because you would, think it's reductive, like the questions. Yeah, the questions are, well, they have an inherent premise. And it, this got me to thinking about the premise that's been in mainstream society for decades. We have a premise that there's the right and the left. And that the right is where authoritarianism sits. We're now Just realizing, wrong. by the way, that's not true, right? Right. That's but, not true. <laughs> but we haven't been. We haven't been. And so we've been saying, well, if you tend to have these properties, you're on the right because these are authoritarian leanings, right? And what that's done is it's blinded us to the fact that Authoritarian, authoritarianism and authoritarian tendencies and authoritarian psychology is not unique to the right at it's all. Not. And so we've not been paying attention. We've been taught to view the left as like 60s hippies who are like, they just want to get high and have sex and be free and like burn their bras or I don't know if that actually ever happened, but it doesn't matter. Like we're taught to like, that's the left. The left wants to smear jello on their bodies and run naked down the street because they just want utter freedom. Like they don't want any no. rules or controls. And, and it allowed us to not pay attention to the growing authoritarianism from the left. And yeah. this right-left dichotomy has been, uh, it has been the blue pill that has prevented us from seeing what's really going on, which is the real struggle is authoritarianism versus what I will call classical liberalism. It's at one end of the scale is anarchy. And you can say, I don't like anarchy, Carter. Fine, you don't have to be an anarchist. I'm not arguing that you have to be an anarchist, but one end of the scale is like zero government with no control over you. The other end of the scale is like complete control over you. And a lot of good people are somewhere on that scale. I think better people are more towards the freedom end of that scale. And like the, the libertarian type people that I tend to associate with and like are kind of more small government. Like, well, you know, they, they should be laws against murder and blah, blah, blah. And then like, that's fine, right? That's the end of the scale they're on. But that's the scale, that's the scale. And because we've had this left-right dichotomy, all of this research that's been done all of the, it's all couched in the wrong terms. It's all interpreted incorrectly. All of it, it's interpreted incorrectly. It's interpreted as a left-right thing. Jonathan yeah. Haidt's conservative, he's saying, well, this is a conservative advantage. No, it's not a conservative advantage. It's an authoritarian advantage. And, and the left has realized it. 
And the left has started mm. to find people with high disgust factors and attract them. And so yes. in the past, if you had high disgust, you had to go to the crazy right people. You had to go to the homophobic, xenophobic, crazy people on the right. You had to go there. But now, now you can go to the crazy people on the left and get caught in purity spirals in knitting communities and like demanding social justice purity. You can be an authoritarian yeah. on the left. And it happened because we didn't associate. We're not using the right scale and we haven't been using the right scale. Okay, I completely co-sign everything you're saying. The scale is wrong, and you're so they come at some of these studies from the with the wrong lens. They're looking at left-right instead of authoritarianism versus classical liberalism or freedom, right? And in actually, Jordan Peterson, I've mentioned this before, but for anyone who hasn't seen it, there's a great video on YouTube. It's called "Where Do SJWs Come From?" It's an interview with Jordan Peterson and one of his grad students. Um, Brophy. I forget her first name, but her last name is Brophy. Um, it's Rebel Media, I think, interviewing them. And um, in the video, they talk about some of the grad students' research, and they did a study about p what I call SJWs, but they mm -hmm. called them people who have these PC authoritarian beliefs, right, right, that I used to speak, which has become very mainstream in the left now. Um, for a lot of the reasons that I think you've pointed out, because we haven't been looking for it. And we've been taught to believe that authoritarianism can only exist on the right, which is ridiculous. It can exist in both places. Right. Or we're keeping um, a lookout so in the on, wrong direction. They're looking yeah. in the wrong direction while authoritarianism <laughs> right. creeps in majorly this way. Yeah. So um, in that study, they found they, they broke SJWs, um, and that's my word for it, but SJWs down into two groups. They called them PC authoritarians and PC egalitarians or PC liberals. I would have been, when I was an SJW, in that PC liberal group. Um, the PC authoritarians and the PC liberals have some things in common, but one of the big differences is that the PC authoritarians have a high disgust sensitivity, just like authoritarians on the right. Right. Um, and it's there's also a great video with Peterson, Jordan Peterson, and Jonathan Haidt talking to one another where Peterson gets into some of this stuff about disgust with him and talks about their findings for with authoritarians on the left. Right. So what is Haidt's what uh, view there? Yeah, um, I think he, he was, from what I recall, he was fascinated and interested by it. Yeah. What Peterson was saying, because he, you know, he does write about disgust sensitivity a lot. And so, but but that that's there are some other differences as well. Uh, PC authoritarians tend to have low uh, verbal cognitive ability. They're not very articulate. They're not deep thinkers. Um, the PC liberals tend to have higher verbal cognitive ability. They tend to be the verbal, the articulate mouthpieces for the ideology. They take the crap that doesn't make sense and they try and they do the mental gymnastics to try and make it sound intelligent. And then they go and they justify it um, verbally. Um, there are some there are some other differences. But in, oh, the PC authoritarians, one of the differences is they have a high uh, there's a correlation between having these authoritarian, these rigid authoritarian beliefs in the left and um, having a mood or personality disorder. And that's very interesting. But um, but yeah, the yeah. disgust sensitivity is there. And if you think about that, I think sometimes people, if they look at that and they go, well, what does disgust sensitivity have to do with authoritarianism? Well, on an individual level, disgust sensitivity is like, you know, people who don't want to share a wine glass with you or, um, if they have a high disgust sensitivity or they wash their hands repeatedly, like 
Hitler supposedly did. You know, they're very concerned with germs and catching things. But on a grand scale, think about that the psychology behind being easily disgusted by the other. You can apply that to people. That's where xenophobia comes from, like racism. Well, and it makes sense evolutionarily, yeah. right? Because the outsiders will bring disease that maybe you weren't, you know, you weren't immune to, right? I mean, you, you see that time and time again when uh, people traveled in ancient history, like one group would go into another and wipe the other group out by virtue of disease, right? Um, yeah. It, but, you know, not intentionally, just like, you know, so uh, it makes evolutionary sense to distrust outsiders um, a little bit from from that, from that disgust level, right? From like, oh, well, there could be, because disgust is something you have to manage. Like in the in the real world, like there is, people do have germs. Like, yeah, everyone around you has germs and you could get the common cold. You could get sick. You could get herpes, people. Uh, like there's plenty of things you could get, right? Um, you could get AIDS. You could get Ebola. Like there's things you can catch from people. Um, so it makes sense to have some awareness of it. But uh, but taking it to an extreme, like finding that balance and and that balance being different when it's in in group versus out group, uh, I'm not saying makes moral sense, but it does make evolutionary sense uh, as to why that would be right. Yeah. Um, by and, the way, I, I think I, you're I, absolutely right. People don't they don't they're not taught. I wasn't taught. See, because I was taught with this BS right left paradigm. Right. I wasn't taught about authoritarianism on the left. I learned about, I learned about it on the right. I didn't learn about it on the left, and they don't think of it that way. I've seen SJWs who engage online with me as recently as this weekend, who, when you point out that what they're supporting, functionally, pra pragmatically, what they're supporting is censorship, and government force. That those are the hallmarks of authoritarianism. But they will laugh in your face when you say authoritarianism because it's like they've never thought about it before. They don't. But move to the center it, of your camera, by the way, Carrie. We're we're missing half your. There you go. Because we're split screening. People love split screen, but that means we have to be nice and in the center. Oh, okay. It's fine. <laughs> um, by the way, Was I forgot I too to far mention. To the left? Uh, <laughs> I forgot to mention Miles uh, gave us a super chat earlier and put it back up on screen again. He says, uh, "Hey guys, Jordan Peterson." Uh, makes a good point about the left not knowing when it goes too far. I think the left has a harder time condemning their extremists, and he cites Antifa. Yeah, they, they definitely do. they do. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I So just personally speaking, when I started to leave the SJW cult, which the SJWs, if they're, some of them are in Antifa. They're out there with the mask on committing violence, but some of them just pay lip service to Antifa, and they endorse it, and they support the ideology behind it. And when I started leaving that cult— um, people, they, they, they're so not used to ha hearing people on the left criticize our own side that that's why they so easily want to throw you into the right. I get called a trumpet all the time. I get called a right winger, alt right, all these other things. They don't know anything about me. They don't know my history that, you know, it doesn't matter to them because they don't understand. And, and then they will actually, some of them have actually said to me, they'll say, all you ever do is criticize the left. All you ever do is criticize the left. Therefore you're on the right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm criticizing authoritarianism. It happens to be predominantly on my quote unquote side right now. It happens to be on the left right now. 
it it could easily be if it were the right that were pushing all of this authoritarian crap at this moment in you history. Yeah, I would be. You better believe I'm the first person they're criticizing. It's just not coming from the right right now at this time in history. It's coming overwhelmingly from the left. It's all around us. It's the it, it, it's like we're a fish and it's the water. <laughs> yep. Yep. By the way, uh, thank you to Jen. Another super chat. Jen says, it's interesting how authoritarianism is seen as strictly as a right problem. Hypocrites can't see the, for the forest through the trees. Yeah, but I think that's intentionally. It's it, If you tell people that it's only going to come from the South, the threat's only coming from the South, then everyone's got their binoculars and they're looking to the South, right? And you're sneaking in from the North. Um, because don't worry, authoritarianism, authoritarianism only comes from that way. Um but I don't, and you know, a couple people in chat are saying, like, well, you need to look at it as the grid, not a not a scale, or maybe you need to put the left on one side and anarchy in the middle, and the right on the other. I maybe we can maybe we can talk about this a little bit, Carrie. I I don't, as someone who has not been on the left or the right for quite some time, like twenty some odd years in my life, uh, I just don't get why people are obsessed over the left or right. I see no functional difference between them on most issues. Like I don't like I. What's the difference? So you're, like, I, I mean that. I know that sounds like a super silly question, no, but genuinely, what's the freaking difference between the left and the right? Can someone so, explain? The, 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 the difference is, is I, in my opinion, it's not really there anymore. I don't, I don't know if it ever was. It's hard for me to judge now looking because, you know, standpoint, what's that word? Like standpoint, like I'm, I'm where I'm standing might be obscuring my Hindsight view of whether, or, oh, oh, I see. Right. Yeah. of whether things have changed or not. But um, it definitely, to me right now, I don't see very much difference between the two major parties at all. That's why I don't have a problem voting for, for the first time in my life, I don't have a problem voting for a Republican um, if they happen to be the person I think is speaking better policies and is the more classically liberal of the options. I voted for my first Republican in 2018 uh, for Ted Cruz because he's more liberal than Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> so <laughs> there, there it is. <laughs> but yeah, oh, the wow. parties I don't think are that different. Um, thank you guys for the super chats. Oh my gosh, Ninja Kitty. Yeah, Ninja Kitty just sent us uh, twenty five bucks. And hold on, let me. I'm gonna put it on screen. Thank you, Ninja Kitty, who's by the way always first in chat and is basically the lord over lord of chat, <laughs> but doesn't want to be a moderator. So uh, uh, from Ninja Kitty, the little ninja goes gots mad. <laughs> love for the unsafe space piece. I can't. Oh, oh, he's Joe this. Bidening. Hold on. I get it. He's Joe Bidening. Go ahead. You can do it. But uh, the Ninja little ninja is... got mad love for the unspace, <laughs> unsafe space peeps. Joe Biden. Love my Biden. my butchering of that's going to be replayed as uh, <laughs> that's how white I am. I can't read that. Um, I, whatever. Uh, somebody just a funny aside um the, i don't know did we talk about on the channel about joe biden doing that interview where he said yeah you ain't you black yeah you ain't black if you don't vote for <laughs> yeah me, we did so horribly offensive um somebody shared on my timeline the, the hillary clinton talking with a black scent now to be fair in context she was quoting someone she was reading something so it's not quite as bad as it as you're led to believe. Although it's still cringy, it's still cringeworthy. It's pretty cringy, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and there's also one of AOC speaking in a black accent that where she's not quoting. I don't think she's quoting anyone. She's just putting on that accent, which I think is even worse. But yeah. um, uh, anyway, that Hillary Clinton one. Uh, 
do, they also shared an article. I don't know if you remember this. Are you a Beyonce fan? Do you listen to any Beyonce songs? No, Carrie. I'm, I'm guessing no, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this isn't going to be as funny to you then, but any Beyonce <laughs> fans get it. So there was a whole, I missed this apparently, but there, there was such a pandering going on during the last election that, that there were newspaper articles about how Hillary Clinton's number one accessory, Hillary Clinton keeps hot sauce in her bag. Do you remember this? You don't no. know what I'm talking about? Okay. <laughs> so there's a there's a Beyonce song where she talks about, I got hot sauce in my bag. That's one of the lines. And, I got and, hot sauce in my bag? Right. The idea being that it's a, a that that uh, black people carry hot sauce in their bag, which actually I think mm. is a little incorrect. I think it's more of a Southern thing. It's Actually, more, I, uh, as someone I, married to a native Chinese, it's uh, I, she, I think she carries Laogama around in her bag, which is hot sauce. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's it's, it's no, just non, it's just like non-Europeans. The rest of the world likes spicy food. We're just like, eh. yeah. No, no, I carry some, but Cholula all the way. Baby. <laughs> okay, I'll get okay. to the hot sauce wars with you. Uh, but no, so so she says I carry hot sauce in my bag, and this was like a big Hillary Clinton thing where she did interviews about carrying hot sauce in her bag, like trying to pander to a Beyonce crowd. She did, and yeah, and then uh, and did then she say it with an accent? I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but my follow up, my my follow up post to that person was, I doubt she ever has reason to take Bill to the Red Lobster. Which you're not going to laugh at because you don't know that song. But later on in that same song, Beyonce says. Uh, when he f she uses the f word. When he f me good, I take his ass to Red Lobster. <laughs> anyway, never mind. Never mind. Alrighty. This is too far to, to go for a punchline. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty far. Instead, what I'm going to say is thank you again to Kent who uh, sent us a super chat. He says lots of people can't comprehend false dichotomy. Also true, Kent, uh, and lots of people cannot comprehend Beyonce jokes. So there you have it. Um, uh, I've lost my train of thought after all this, but... Uh, okay, but wait, wait. Nicole of the Mountain People says, I carry oh. balsamic glaze in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up I grew up eating so such like an unhealthy diet. Like literally we would have soda for dinner every day. Like so unhealthy, so unhealthy uh, that I'm surprised I don't just carry sugar. I should just carry... <laughs> I mean, I don't really eat sugar much now, but... I can't. I mean, but uh, I should just carry corn syrup. Americans carry corn syrup in their purses. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't remember where we were. Also, but well, thank you to Douglas because Douglas corrected me earlier. He said um, that JFK also donated his salary. I didn't know that. Oh. Okay. And he said, uh, "I suspect that a lot of presidents do." I mean, if you're wealthy, it's a it's a good thing to do to get you know it gets attention and and uh, and it's a nice thing to do. So, um, oh, I know. I so yeah, the left right thing. So you're saying that now you can't tell the difference too much. Um, no, I can't tell the difference. The two parties are pretty much like someone in chat said. I forget who, but they're both for big business. They both are the corporations own these guys. Like, so here's I how I I, here's how I've always looked at this. <laughs> They're both just like authoritarianism. And it's like people on the right are like, we like authoritarianism in which there aren't individual liberties uh, that are personal, but there are economic liberties. And the left is like, we like authoritarianism where 
There are individual liberties, but there aren't economic liberties. And I've, and both of those are stupid because those two go together. You can't have, you know, your right to wear whatever clothes you want are, is no different than your right to keep your money. They're, they're the same thing. They're the same thing. They both stem from your right to life, your right to self-ownership. They're the same freaking thing. So you got one group of people who are like, we only want to violate them for our authoritarian utopia in this direction. And the other is like, we only want to violate them for our authoritarian utopia in that direction. And I've right. never understood, like, why do people, like, how do people think that there's a difference between those two? Like, do you want to be run by Stalin or Hitler? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, neither, please. Neither. Right, but um, like that, those are the choices that we were offered. And people are like, no, no, we need the nuance of the political scale. You need the graph and the, no, you don't. You don't need nuance at all. You need authoritarian or non-authoritarian. That's it. That's the simplicity that you need. Do you want to control other people? If you do, I don't give a crap whether you want to control who they marry or how much taxes they pay. You want to control them. You want to yeah. control them. That's what you want to do. So like, I, that's it. That's the scale. Um, and I really think that all of this, Interesting evolutionary psychology and other work in psychology that's been done uh, would be a lot um, more applicable if the scale they used was authoritarianism versus non-authoritarianism um, and stop pretending that there's some kind of big divide between the right and left and how, how people view the world. Um, and especially as you're saying, Carrie, I know you just walked away. Um, as Carrie was saying, like... Um, now there's not much of a difference either. They're both for large corporations. They're just for different large corporations, basically. Um, and some of them are actually for the same large corporations. So uh, Kent says, hey, Carter, is this Democratic Party corporatism a demonstrator, a demonstrator of neoliberal political philosophy? I don't know what that means, Kent. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, I think Democratic Party corporatism has always been a thing. I don't think that's new, by the way. Uh, I think it's just different corporations. Um, they pretend to hate corporations, but build them. Um, it, well, although the other thing that happened in fairness is, you know, the hippies grew up, got jobs, ran, and now they're running corporations and now corporations are the bee's knees because they're, they're in charge. Oh, Carrie's back. Everyone was guessing you had to do a bio break, Carrie, but you're muted. You're muted. Are we calling it a bio break? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I also want to say one other thing, unrelated, well, kind of related, uh, masks are the new virtue signal. That's my conclusion. Um, and I'm just, this is, this is based on walking around California, the Bay area. Um, they're visible. They're ultimately meaningless gestures, uh, and they alert other people to your purity, right? Uh, look how pure I am. Look how righteous I am. I've got a mask. Um, I just want to remind, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm. You know what's pissing me off is I'm at the point now where I'm not wanting to wear masks. So I'm literally, if I have to go into a store, I got to wear a mask. So I'm, we I'm wearing like crappy masks and like whatever, I, you know, whatever's convenient. And uh, look, Karens, don't try and pretend that you're somehow uh, more purity woke. When I was... Actually, look, I was sheltering in place before you. I was wearing N95 masks and gloves when I thought that this was potentially a problem. 
I was looking at the data. I wasn't going by what my my superiors told me. I wasn't following the the herd. I was doing what I thought was best to take care of my family and uh, and my loved ones and people around me. And by the way, just so you know, the virus is at 100 microns uh, wide. Uh, an N95 mask is 300 microns. Those are the best masks you're seeing out there um, generally. So. The virus, the mask actually doesn't stop the virus. It can reduce if it's sitting on particles or whatever. But um, the idea that you and your stupid cloth mask is doing literally anything is a, is laughable. This mask wearing crap is not helping you. It doesn't do a, a goddamn thing. And so I'm not like I don't want to wear one now because now there's more information. We knew China was lying early on and. Um, we were looking at what was estimated to be 3% fatality rate. We knew also China was lying and that SARS had turned out to be almost a 10%. So there was a chance that this was a big fatality rate, big. Um, as it turns out, yay, that's wrong. It's not that big of a fatality rate. It's not. It's not. We were told that flattening the curve was necessary. And the trade-off, by the way, the trade-off for flattening the curve, the trade-off is that you prolong herd immunity. You don't get to herd immunity as sewer, sooner, right? But that was necessary because our hospitals were going to be overwhelmed. Fine, I'm all for that. Let's, let's flatten the curve. If the hospitals are gonna be overwhelmed and that's what we have to do, fine. But you know what? They're not overwhelmed. They're nowhere near overwhelmed, especially outside of New York down. City. They're yeah, actually laying they're people closing off. down. They're off nurses, they're laying off doctors, they're laying off respiratory technicians. Yes. And, and we didn't run out of respiratory equipment. This whole like, oh, I've seen articles about how like white people are more likely to get respirators. That's bullshit. There's no shortage. Anyone who needs respirators getting a respirator. There's no shortage of respirators. So this whole like, and so by the way, now we've postponed herd immunity to flatten the curve. It's clear that it's not necessary at this point. It's not necessary. We're not overwhelmed. We need to get the herd immunity. We can't live like this. You can't wear a mask to go to Home Depot all the time. You can't function. This, this cannot be the new norm in society. So this whole virtue signal of like, well, I care more about... No, you don't care about crap. I did. I acted before you. I used science. I took the bright measures. And I'm using science now to tell you that your stupid mask is bullshit. It's not necessary. You are just virtue signaling. Cut it out. The mask isn't helping you. And by the way, one of the doctors pointed this out earlier, and, I, and, and it was one of the ones that, I think it was Dr. Erickson or whoever was banned from YouTubers, videos taken down. You know why one of the main theories, which has a lot of evidence for it, do you know why we don't, we have kids with peanut allergies nowadays? Yeah, because we, we took peanuts out of schools. Because, well, and specifically because we they don't eat dirt anymore, right? We give oh, them really? antibacterial hand gel. We give them like, they don't, they're, they're not dirty. They're clean. They're too freaking clean. Too freaking clean means your immune system doesn't learn that things that are naturally in the environment, environment are not something to freak out about, right? And so what yeah. you get is a hyper, uh, a hyper reaction to regular allergens in the environment because your immune system is like, oh my God, peanuts, right? You're, I've never seen this before. Um, to the parents out there, my rule with my daughter has always been, because, you know, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe, 
You go out in public, shake hands, touch doorknobs, public transportation, you wash your hands before you eat. You play in the backyard with dirt, no nest, don't, don't bother washing your hands before you come to dinner. I don't care, eat the dirt, right? It's fine, it's fine. That's how your immune system grows. And so we, you know, Erickson said this and he's ex exactly right. We've got a bunch of people slathering antibacterial hand gel all over themselves. Uh, wearing their freaking mask. I saw someone yesterday in the Safeway with gloves on. Gloves! Gloves on and masks, right? Yeah, I've seen this everywhere, yeah. They're going to go home. Like, we are going to come out. We're going to, you know, wander out into the sunlight, right? <laughs> when this thing is over and we're all going to get sick. We're all going to get sick of everything because our immune systems are totally depressed. Totally depressed. Yeah. And, and this this thing has become... These masks have become the leftist authoritarian virtue signal. It's the purity test virtue signal. And I think these are the same people that would have been on the moral majority in the 80s. These are the, the Karens would have been in the moral majority saying, you know, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Like they, that would have been those people, <laughs> right? It would have been them. Now they're like, wear your mask. Like it's the same people. It's the same people. You've just, instead of religious right, they're leftist religious left it doesn't matter there's religious left yeah so uh i have a couple of thoughts on this excellent Sorry rant. The by the rant. way thank you wombat for the uh super chat of two dollars oh sorry i'll put it up on screen i was ranting uh she thank says you Carter, wombat for the rant donation so oh, was that um, what it was okay there we go yeah so i i've had a couple of thoughts about this as well um it, it, you're right as as you get more information any thinking adult should assimilate that information, you know, figure out which parts they're, they're keeping, which parts they're letting go. It should affect your behaviors, you know, uh, either strengthen them or cause yes. you to change them or, but you, you, you adapt as the situation evolves. Um, what I like about your situation is you're exactly right. You were sheltering in place a month before anybody. I was crazy here. before everyone else. Cause I was reading the data. Yeah, but you were in you were doing this voluntarily before anybody here ever cared about it, before any of these tribe jumpers, these bandwagon jumpers were on it. Um, what I find really frustrating about the whole mask thing is how um child childlike it's become. Like you said, it's virtue signaling, it's pointless, it's just it's an illusion of safety that people are wearing. I don't mind it if you want to wear it. I'm not gonna call you a sheep. Um, Carter might. I'm not. You can, I, I totally get it. it. Depends why Everybody, you're wearing it, but depends on why you're wearing it. But I don't know why you're wearing it. And so I'm not gonna judge you if you want to wear wear one, absolutely wear one. And that that's what personal responsibility is about. You should get to be able to make your own choices. I should get to be able to get to make mine. What I see more often than people calling those who wear masks sheep, what I see much more often is people who wear the masks calling those of us who don't um stupid, selfish evil selfish is um, the big one yeah yeah, yeah you idiot. don't care yeah you don't care but see their arguments fall apart under weight their arguments don't hold any water because if they truly believed um that that this was necessary and if you don't wear one you don't care about people then they would never take that mask off ever because we have the regular flu season kills 70,000 people a year. Are you telling me that you're going to wear that mask for the rest of your life? I don't think you are. You're a liar. 
Um, and and if by using your own arguments, that the fact that you're not going to wear that mask once this coronavirus is passed means that you don't care about flu deaths and you're perfectly willing to give the flu to someone. And and you're a hypocrite is what you are. Your beliefs are hypocritical and they don't hold water. And I'm not, I would not be calling you, I would not be calling you out and saying you don't care about flu deaths, except that's what you're doing to us. You're saying that by not wearing a mask, that that is somehow evidence that we don't care about people. I'm applying that incorrect and false accusation to you. If you're going to say that about us and it's incorrect and it's false, then I'm going to say it about you. Hold you to your own standards. If you're not wearing a mask during the for the rest of your life, then you don't care about flu deaths. You don't care about people. Right. Well, um, I mean, we should. Otherwise, you're not you're not intellectually consistent. You can't say that and just arbitrarily apply it. They're, they're um, you wouldn't be just... driving. You wouldn't go out on the in a car. A co- since you've gone there, a couple things. One of my posts got shared this weekend to another one of those. Um, this is the second time this has happened now. So this time it didn't phase me very much. Um, but it got shared to one of those groups on Facebook that exa- I call them zombie groups, but it's groups where people just sit around waiting for targets to get posted. And then like zombies, they all go shamble to the profile and they copy and paste memes <laughs> and they attack you and harass you. Yeah. It's for the easily triggered. And what's funny about those people is that, um, most of them demonstrated that they don't even understand my position. It didn't matter. I'm just a target. They don't have to understand. They can, they can straw man me all day long. They don't know what my actual beliefs are. And they demonstrated that by arguing against things that I haven't said and don't believe. Um, they also didn't seem to understand their own memes. Uh, several of them posted stuff like uh, my freedom, uh, your freedom ends where mine begins. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You don't even, you haven't even thought about what that means. Meaning my my freedom ends where yours begins. That means I don't have the right to tell my neighbor he can't go to work and put food on his table for his kids because I'm afraid that I might get sick if I come into contact with him. You don't get to do that. He has the freedom to go to work and make a living. It's not, His freedom isn't contingent upon your whims. Your freedom doesn't spill out into his household and into his workplace. That You don't get that right. So you don't even understand the memes you're sharing. The other thing I noticed is that they don't understand the word freedom either at all. They don't don't know where it comes from, what it means. Freedom is not a like freedom is a derived concept and they don't understand anything about what it means. Right. They also don't understand personal responsibility. Several of them, they just copy and paste things like like zombies just vomiting the same thing or whatever. Several of them posted the same meme about personal responsibility saying, you know, with with freedoms and with rights comes personal responsibility. I'm like. Absolutely. Exactly. My position entirely. What you guys don't seem to understand is you don't actually believe in personal responsibility. You don't think that you have personal responsibility. You think the government needs to come in and restrict our freedoms and our rights because you don't understand the concept of personal voluntary responsibility. You want the the government to act like a daddy, like a nanny state. You support authoritarianism because you don't believe in personal responsibility. So I was fascinated by the fact that they're sharing things that that are, that strengthen our position, not theirs, and they don't even understand these right. things they're sharing. And then get to, this is the kicker, Carter. This is going to blow your mind. It was through this thread that I discovered, and Dr. K discovered it, and Laura and Chat and some other people discovered this. They are trying to reclaim and redefine the Karen term. They were calling us Karens, and I was like, "Wait, what's happening?" They. They were calling us Karens, and I was like, 
Uh, do you not understand how this meme evolved? The meme evolved from the woman who called the cops on the people right. who were barbecuing, yeah, yeah. the white woman who called the cops on the black people who were barbecuing. It evolved from there. And during the coronavirus quarantine, Karen, Karen has come to mean anyone who calls the cops, who calls it, somebody who supports authoritarianism. Yes. Tattletales, Authority. snitches, snitches, yes. people yeah. who support the government lockdown, busybodies, ninnies, people who are going to call the cops and ask the state to come in and act like daddy because their neighbor's not socially distancing and because their neighbor's not wearing a mask. You guys are the Karens. Now, I get that if you don't like that, but I was blown away. I was like, wait a minute, what groups are that? What echo chamber are they in that they've got the definition of Karen wrong? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so that was crazy. Um uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a bit on a tangent here. Last thing on this this note is that uh, I don't, again, I don't judge the people that choose to wear the masks. I ask only that you not put your judgments on me when I choose not to wear it. Um, one positive note was this weekend, you asked how my weekend was, um, yep. I got to go to work on Saturday for the first Saturday that I've worked in a few months. Oh, wow. And, yeah. It's and, open? Um, like doing its thing? Yeah. I'm, yeah, mm -hmm. my the place where I work is open and doing its thing um, with certain rules and regulations. We had some crazy Texas regulations we had to follow. But I will tell you this. Not one employee, not one patron was wearing a mask. And everybody was getting back to normal. And people I talked to, they talked to me. I didn't share my views. People were talking to me and talking amongst themselves. And they are against this government lockdown. I guess it would make sense that those who are going out first, it would self-select for the people who are against the lockdown. They yeah. want life to get back to normal. They want to be able to open their small businesses. They're aware of how arbitrary these these unconstitutional edicts are. The fact that 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 uh, you know they're being applied to this business but not this business. Home Depot can stay open, but your mom and pop shop has to close. You can go to work, but your neighbor has to stay home and and can't go to work. That's arbitrary, and they're aware of that, and they're aware of how unconstitutional that is. People were, you know, I shook hands, I gave hugs before each time. I would ask, "Are you shaking hands?" You know, and if they're like, "Yeah, bring it in here," then okay, shake. You know, I'm getting consent first. I'm not just hugging people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but people were getting back to normal here and that made me feel really good. And it, especially coming off the back of a, of a thread like that, where I had, I don't know, 300 plus comments from the zombie horde, um, telling me that we're, we, we're somehow the irrational ones for, uh, choosing not to wear a mask. I'm like, okay, we are in the real world. Um, you guys are welcome to rejoin us here anytime you like. Yeah. Um, a while ago, Tara sent us a super chat. Uh, where was the advice to take vitamin C, D, or zinc to boost your immune system? Only the discredited doctors have been promoting immune health. That's an excellent point also, right? Even people that talk about immune health are like uh, considered, now they're suddenly they're discredited, which is which makes no sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I, look, this is all about. YouTube, by the way, just a quick point. Yes. YouTube, we saw this. YouTube went on cable news and said, the head of YouTube, Susan, right. what's her name? And said, we're going to take down videos off yes. of YouTube that tell you to take vitamin D and C. Yeah. No, I know. Um, and this, this is what, if you are a thinking person, it is your job to use your, to make your own decision about this stuff. And this is the thing that, um, makes, I don't want to say this. I don't know why any one particular person is wearing a mask when I go out, obviously, but I know 100% that 
almost all the people are wearing masks only because they've been told to, not because they're thinking independently. Because I was thinking independently and was wearing a mask before you. And I guarantee you're only wearing a mask because it's now the socially virtue signally thing to do and you've been told by quote authorities to wear a mask. You don't understand anything about how the virus works. You don't understand anything about viral transmission at all. And you're just gonna wear a mask because you wanna belong. You wanna belong to the crowd. And if we're gonna have a society in which people are free, then some people are gonna make bad choices and some people are going to catch diseases that they shouldn't. And they're going to be cesspools of disease and gonna go spread them. And like that, that's just, that's how it is. That's how society is. And these, I, I, these Karens, not just the Karens. I don't, what do you call the mask wearing people? Like the Karens are the snitches. What are the, what are the mask wearing other than sheep? What, what are the like, they're just virtue they're, signaling. There's zombies, like not, not all of them. I don't want to name, again, I'm not judging. And I know some people in our viewership choose to wear the mask and that's your prerogative. When, when I call people zombies, I mean the ones who are not just wearing the mask, but are wearing it with like some kind of righteous indignation that they're better than you and that they're more moral and intelligent than you and are insulting you because you're not. Those are the people I'm talking about. Yeah. Just I mean, look, I, I said this the other day. I think mask wearing should become less taboo generally because when you are sick, you actually should wear a mask if you're going out. Like that would be a polite thing to do. And other societies do do that. That would be a when great thing. When you're sick? Yeah. Yeah. There's my car alarm. I, it's every Monday and Friday. That's right. I can hear my wife moving. She's going to go get it. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, it, that would be a great thing in society, but that's not why people are wearing masks. I, I think very few of the people you see out right now are actually sick and wearing a mask because they don't want to get other people sick. They're wearing a mask because they, they want a virtue signal. I don't know. In um, Austin, but, which is like the Bay Area, it's what you said. It's virtue signaling. It's like there's a lot of SGW hipsters in Austin and wearing the mask is almost, it's, it's like them putting those signs in their yard that say in this house, we believe women are people. Right. <laughs> like, in this house, we I'm believe a that a hundred micron virus can be stopped by cotton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Carrie. Um, I'm sick of it. And, uh, I don't, I don't know what else to say. We're, we're just, we're, we're destroying our immune systems. We are destroying our society. And, and you know, if you cared about people, you would care about, you'd care about them being able to go to work and have social interactions. You saw this article. I think you shared this article, Carrie. Uh, this is from the Federalist. Relapses are through the roof. Overdoses are through the roof. How the pandemic is upping substance abuse. People are having trouble, like some people who are with um, suicides uh, also. Suicides are up. Uh, substance abuse, like alcohol and drug use, is up. Like people struggling to cope. There's real death happening here, and and you know I I don't know I I don't know this the idea we've never before in history said we're not going to go out and and be normal again until there's a vaccine for this thing it makes no sense it makes absolutely no sense um and we're just we're delaying herd immunity i don't know uh ian in chat says did anyone see 
Did anyone see that Jimmy Dore piece on local authorities posting people's addresses if they tested positive for COVID? Wow. I haven't seen I haven't seen that yet, but thank you for suggesting it, Ian. And and I've been watching more Jimmy Dore lately and I absolutely encourage it for anybody who watches us. If you want to diversify your feed, I would watch some Jimmy Dore. Um, the reason why is because when I started uh, getting outside of my SJW uh, echo chamber, I started adding other voices and a lot of those were on the right because I'd never listened to people on the right before. And it's nice to have a, a very progressive, he's a progressive, it's nice to have a very progressive voice in the mix who you are likely to agree with even if you're on the right, you're likely to agree with on a lot more than you realize. You're definitely going to disagree on a lot, but uh, I think you'll find that you like him. And, and he overlaps. He overlaps because I think people who are truth seekers necessarily overlap because they're finding the truth on some issues. And so um, it's really interesting to listen to someone like Jimmy Dore on the on the left and then someone like Steve Bannon on the right and find that they're saying a lot of the same things about this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Heather Haying guess, too. That's another one. Yeah, I don't. I don't know her. Uh, people are saying. I guess she does a thing with Brett Weinstein. She, apparently, she's Brett Weinstein's wife. Yeah, they're both oh, progressives. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I said about the left-right thing earlier, but uh, because but it, it doesn't is, matter. They're yeah. not authoritarians. I'll put it that way. Jimmy Dore is not an authoritarian. So if you're looking at people on the real, what really I mean, matters, it doesn't matter that he's on the left because. He's anti-authoritarian. That's where. That's he's why somewhere, he he's much lower on the scale, right? Like yeah. on my scale, from anarchy to authoritarian, everyone's authoritarian, but to like a small, small degree, right? Some people a very, very small degree, um, right. and maybe you wouldn't call it authoritarianism down there. You would call it like limited government, and then like in the center, you'd have like, I don't know, whatever, medium-sized government. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what the center looks like. Um, yeah. Well, Carrie, I don't know. I don't know if we have anything else to say, really. I, I mean, I don't have anything else to say about all I this do. crap today. Do you? You got another story? I, I have uh, one quick thing. I just want to make sure I get this right. Hold on. Let me open okay. this up. Um, okay. So Carter was going to come visit me um, back in March, <laughs> and he didn't get to because of coronavirus. And then he put this in the mail, and some of you may have seen it if you follow me online. He sent me some unsafe space stickers, first of all, which I'm saying this online. So we both, do, we, the royal we, okay. So we, we're going to have some unsafe space stickers for sale soon. Not soon. Um, but no, we aren't. No, we aren't because right. it requires setting up our own shopping cart, having our own thing. Right now, all of our stuff goes through Spreadshirt. So they can't sell stickers our stickers for Spreadshirt? us. They can't sell our, no. I, I, I am going stickers. to eventually get to it. We're going to set up our own site. We're going to okay. move away from Spreadshirt, but it's not going to be like tomorrow. It'll be soon. Okay. Right now, you're going to get stickers if you are uh, subscribed on Subscribestar, Subscribestar, which I will reach out to you for, and I'll send you stickers. So you will get stickers. Oh, well, that's a way to get a sticker. Go to Subscribestar. You can sign up for $1 a month and get a sticker. Okay. So this Thank you, Lee Universe, by the way. Lee Universe says, I wouldn't say Jimmy is anti-authoritarian. He's a Bernie supporter and socialism is entirely authoritarian. Entirely authoritarian. Thank you. Yes. Okay. I didn't want to argue with Carrie, but you can argue with Carrie. I'm just going to leave it at that. Go ahead. I, I don't believe <laughs> on the scale. Again, he is very low authoritarian. That's my point. And whatever. Right. I voted for Bernie. So, okay. This, I wanted to thank you because Carter finally sent this. And uh, uh, this is made by... Stormy Blue Handmade, 
who does candles, handmade candles and stuff, you can follow her on Instagram. And she made us this, she also has an Etsy account, and she made us this kafefi flavored candle, soy candle, which smells like coffee to me, although it says it smells like winning. <laughs> it does. It smells like winning. That's what it smells like. And by the way, yeah. I think that came from Wombat of Doom sent them, and uh, Stormy Blue you. Candles uh, made them. So, um, oh, Wombat. Yes. Thank you yeah. very much. But show the stickers. I, I also want to correct the stickers. I don't like the stickers. Oh, I Did don't have them the right sticker? in front of me. Oh, I have here. So this is where, this is the stickers, but I'm gonna make them so they have more um, more empty space around. I'm gonna make I'm gonna shrink the logo and the tagline thing so that there's there's more black around them. But right now we do have a bunch of stickers, and for now you'll get these um, if you're a subscribe star subscriber. All right. Um, anything else, Carrie? We've talked about book club. We've talked about stickers. We both book ranted club, about get, Karen, so I don't know. Get your copy of uh, Ordinary Men. You can get it on Kindle Unlimited for free. You can get it on audiobook, or you can follow the link from uh, our affiliate link, which is going to be up on the unsafespace.com book page, um, or in the book club group on Facebook. You can follow that link and get a used copy. Yes. All righty. Well, thank you, everyone. We will uh, reconvene on Friday and uh, hopefully work on some other content. I don't think any other content's gonna be out between now and Friday, but we are gonna hopefully record some. Maybe out, who knows. But uh, have a good have a good week. Have a good don't week, guys. Out. Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>